The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good, y'all. Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and we're joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how you doing this week, buddy? Hi, friends. I'm doing good. Um, so I, I think I, I think I told everyone about how like I kind of popped my shoulder out playing softball a few weeks ago. You did. Yes. So You're I, old. I had, yes. yes no, uh, very well established. I, I am an old. Uh, I, I, had, I had my <laughs> first test post uh, subluxation where I, I went to Top Golf the other day. And good news, everyone. My, uh, my shoulder feels good, but bad news. Everything else hurts. Certain, circling back to being <laughs> an old. Shrebsy confirmed old. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, how how did how did you hit him when you were at Top Golf? Did you did you do well? Do you feel no? Like you feel like absolute garbage afterwards, but like during, did you feel okay? I do not do the golf. Um, I'm just I'm, clearly. I'm, by the way, you just said that. I'm very happy <laughs> if I can if I can hit it straight like just a couple times. No, like have you have you been to a Top Golf? Do you know how the scoring works? I've never been to a Top Golf in my life. We don't have them in like Milwaukee or mm-hmm. like I don't even think there is one in Wisconsin. If I'm not mistaken, so I could there, be wrong about that. But there's like there's like f- uh, five or six targets spread throughout the driving range, and then mm-hmm. if you if you get it to the back, there's you also get points. So all I do is I aim for the back, and if I get anything else, fantastic. You just try and to hit tanks, basically. Try, exactly, try to okay. hit tanks, and I hit like three or four tanks, and I'm happy. I'm good. Great. Nice. Okay. So did you actually hit them to the back at any point? Did you get it? Oh, well, yeah. Did yeah. you get some good ones? A few, a few. But uh, that's like a few out of like 80 or 90 swings. So, see me, not, not a good rate, but we got there. Yeah. See me, I'm a smaller boy. So I probably would just like take out like a, like a sand wedge or something like that. Whichever target was the closest, I'd just try to drop it within like 15, 20 feet, hopefully, and call it good there. But. I, I want to say I'm I'm like the Josh Naylor of Top Golf, where like I got a few good ones, I got a few real good ones, and then, and then you know mo- mostly just spraying line drives around when I should really be trying to hit tanks. Consider me the Nicky Lopez of Top Golf. <laughs> that's probably me. I think that's where my uh, skill set falls, probably. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess should should we just get into it? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, cool. So. Uh, Let's start out with one Bradley Zimmer we have at the top of the episode here. Bradley Zimmer is one that you had down, Schwebs. Uh, what do you have to say about Bradley? I know that he's been kind of popping off a bit recently. Yeah, so I, I came to the conclusion while while we were doing research and doing the stream and whatnot that Bradley Zimmer is like the outfield Javi Baez. I, yes, I, I, you did say it, Yes. Maybe a little bit unfairly because Bradley Zimmer does walk more than Javi Baez. And I very, so the, the the funny thing about that comparison is that I very much don't like Javi Baez. Uh, I, I was opposed. Mm. I was opposed to that trade for the Mets, but uh, it does have its fantasy value. So Bradley Zimmer is one of those guys who has really, really loud tools. Uh, and that results in the occasional monster dinger or great defensive play 
uh, like he hit a he hit a home run this year that went 471 feet and uh that's the 12th longest home run of the year as per statcast but he's not like on balance it winds up being not actually that good of a player because you know those fantastic plays account for like you know like like 2% of his plays and then the rest is like meh mm-hmm. but so zooming out and looking at his season from far away we see that that's what happened uh it's a low batting average uh, a ton of strikeouts occasional dinger good amount of steals so he's got like a max exit velo of 112 which is good for like i, I think it was like 85th percentile which is mm-hmm. really good had can put a charge into a ball uh, you know as evidenced by that 471 foot home run it's got 97th percentile sprint speed to go along with that 10 steals great and he's got a 93rd percentile outs above average so defense keeps him on the field we've talked about that before we we like when a player has a strong defensive presence because that gets them on the field that gets them in the lineup opportunity baby we love it so something worth establishing here early right away is that in a deep league with like 60 outfielders rosters so you figure you know even a 12 teamer with five outfielders he is worth rostering like full stop because he brings that pop, he brings that speed. Anybody with double-digit potential in both home runs and steals is generally worth rostering in a league of that depth. So my question here is exactly how valuable is he going to be and exactly how shallow of a league should he be rostered in? Yeah. So I think I think that I would say that he is... He, so I it would be really hard for him to reach like top 36 outfielder levels which is like you know 12 team three outfielders yeah there's there's gonna be way better options out there obviously at that point i don't think he gets there he's uh you know given the tools he's got the potential and he's trending in the right direction he's got all those warts yes but like less because Mm -hmm. he's all all of his x stats are trending up like at his x wob has been going up um, his XBA, X slug, all that trending in the right direction. But also, I mean, I, actually, I, I said, but like this is a bad thing. But uh, in other in other positive news, the K rate is trending down, and he's walking more than any previous season. So this is all good stuff, all the stuff we like. But the the K rate is trending down to what is still a well above league average rate. So yeah. that's you know still not good. You know if if he's if he's trending down from like forty to thirty five, he's still striking out way too much. Yeah, exactly. But, like if it's trending down towards average, yeah, it could right. still be a, a lot better. Yeah. If he can get to league average, that would be a huge development. But he's still not quite there. Yeah. So if you're if you're in a shallow league, uh, I don't know why you're listening to this, but you know just keep <laughs> keep an eye on good him. Point. But if you if you are in a deep league, like he's he's he should be rostered if if for nothing else than the steals but yeah like he brings other things to the table so yeah i i I think he should be a target i in fact just picked him up in tgfbi and i already rostered him in my al only league so i'm I'm a believer i i think he brings plenty to the table and uh you know also worth mentioning he's an outfielder for the cleveland future guardians who are not good and notably shallow and not good in the outfield so yes. he's going to keep getting chances um he's at worst playing time wise a strong side platoon bat yep and at best an everyday player because of his his uh defense so he's going to get the opportunities love it i mean yeah i mean i know that there's other people out there i know like justin mason was a big bradley zimmer truther early early on just because the tools are so like you said so right. loud and like the, the t- like the ceiling for zimmer is just so so high but it's just yes. like actually putting everything together and finding that plate discipline lowering that k rate to not like you said just not like a inflated instead of just like exorbitantly large k he, rate he's almost like a, a, a better franchi cordero is he is he actually a better Franchi Cordero? Because like I mean, just yeah. just, to, just to like th- like not to throw cold water on Zimmer or anything like that, but like Cordero has gone through like stretches of being like very very good too. Yeah, but Cordero like, hasn't really. Oh, I well, he's shown flashes, is what I'm saying, and I'm, and like Zimmer, like right now, is on a pretty good streak here and has looked pretty good recently, but like. <sighs> 
I just don't want to like knock. I just don't want. I'm just trying to like not knock Cordero so much. Zimmer Zimmer this year has more stolen bases already than Cordero has in his career, in spite of similar speed. Well, stolen bases are about intent, and that we have talked about that before. Yes, so Zimmer is is intent on stealing them bags. Fair enough. All right. Cool. And then, so with Bradley Zimmer, I guess. So you said that basically around like. any like 12 team leagues that have five outfield spots is about where you would tell people to pick them up. Yeah. If, if your league goes at five outfielders deep, he's, I think must own. Excellent. Uh, do you know offhand what his roster ship numbers are like currently? I should. And I don't, <laughs> uh, I can pull that up real quick though. That's okay. Uh, I'll just keep going. And then 3%, 3%. Okay. Yeah. So 3%. he's going to be out there for the vast majority of you folks Dude, uh, even even in the the last like uh, thir- uh tw- i think it's 28 days alone he's got yeah. three home runs four stolen bases so you figure if he could theoretically do that every month that's basically 20 home runs and uh 20 plus stolen bases like 20 that's uh i, I mean like at his peak like you would think that with him if he can put everything together he's probably he could be like a 25 25 guy yeah like, I mean, that's that's about, like, where you would hope and pray that Bradley Zimmer gets to. Obviously, like, between playing time and, like, just play discipline stuff, he may or may not get there. But, I, I mean, I tools. Think, um, tool. I, I, I might be talking my I, – I think I'm talking myself into something wild here. I think mm. full season played, full season of plate appearances, Bradley Zimmer, is, like, almost standard league viable. Yeah, I could see it. Like, he's standard sure. league bench – you know, or, or, or like a bad team in a, in a standard league uh, outfield. Yeah. It, like he's, he's got the tools. He's, he's, yeah. he, he could like fall into, you know, those really gaudy uh, counting stats. Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, and especially if there's like more offense and like just good people around him too. So we'll see what the Cleveland future guardians end up putting around him potentially here. Uh, all right, let's move on to Connor Joe. So Connor Joe only rostered in about 16% of ESPN and Yahoo leagues. He is the third least rostered leadoff hitter in all of fantasy baseball at 16%. Like I said, uh, he's only ahead of currently, and this is according to Fangraph's uh, roster resource stuff, only ahead of Ben Gamble and Yanni Hernandez in roster ship numbers right now. So that's for Pittsburgh and Texas. Um I kind of feel like this is a little bit of a shame considering he gets to play in cores half the time and he's multi-position eligible in most leagues at first base and outfield. Uh, so that kind of surprised me when I found out that he was the third least owned leadoff hitter in the league. Um, over the past few weeks, though, too, Joe has been able to maintain an average just like a shade over 280 as well as an OBP that's north of 350, boosted by a really like solid 10.5% walk rate. We always love to see plate discipline. Schwebsy loves that. I love that. Um, ladies love plate discipline yes they do yes they absolutely do Um, and then I mean that's gonna like both those numbers are gonna play in the leagues that care about those sort of things so both average and OBP leagues he's a good fit and isn't isn't gonna hurt you in either of those areas and along with it he's been able to nab himself like a decent number of counting stats he's had four home runs seven runs and 12 RBIs out of that leadoff spot since he got moved to it as well Um, and Okay, so again, like another thing that we will often preach here on In the Deep is that if you're surrounded by a really good offense, it always just it's going to boost your stock anyways. If we're being honest, Colorado, unless they're at home, really isn't the most threatening lineup. Well, well let me stop you there. Colorado, since the trade deadline, top 10 team in WRC+. Well, now and, I look silly. And as uh, for, for those unaware... Anytime you see a plus in a statistic, that means it has been normalized for environment and uh, yeah, uh, league, home field, whatever. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. 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 Uh, on the season though, and just like historically, you're going to be hitting better in cores than you are away from home. Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I mean, like, and just like in that generalized case, like the cores effect the home road splits for Joe contrast sharply in favor of being in Denver. So like at home this year, he's played 23 games at home, uh, 338 average, five home runs, eight runs and 16 RBIs, as opposed to 28 games away. That's eight, that's five more games that he's played away 
a 234 average, and he's got fewer counting stats in every category. So two only two home runs, six runs, and 11 RBIs. So when you look at that, the one big downside that you would get with rostering Joe is that the majority of the games remaining on Colorado Slater are outside of Coors. They have 19 away games and 16 home games left. So his production may take a slight ding in the final stretch. But with that said, I mean... To roster a leadoff hitter that has really good on-base skills like that, uh, gets to play in Coors a good amount of the time, at least, uh, you should be able to, at least, if you want, have him on your roster and stash him. And then if you want, just like stream him when they play games at Coors, or if you think that the lefty-righty splits might be favorable, anything like that. I think that Joe is more than worthy of being on any of your 15-team rosters. I can dig it. Yeah. So... uh I, I was just uh, browsing baseball reference to see what Connor Joe's middle name was to see if I could make a uh, Cotton Eye Joe joke. And his full name is Connor Cuck Y Joe. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but we're so it, close. We're so close. Can, can, can you try to say that middle name again? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. But Because uh, now I need to look this up. It's K-O-K hyphen w y we're so close to connor i joe connor y joe oh there we go i think a a fun a a fun thing about connor joe is that uh he's actually like a meme in ootp like their 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 card collecting mode so i think it's very fun that he is now actually a productive major league hitter when uh when actually being like memed as a poor hitter in a video game (laughs) but um yeah. How, how are, so what kind of leagues do you think that, uh, like, like what's his peak right now? Like, like what's the, what's the shallowest league you would roster him in? Well, I mean, okay. So the nice thing is that he is eligible. I mean, obviously you can slot him into a util spot. You can put him into an outfield spot as well, but then he's first base. So he's first base outfield eligible, which means corner infield spots as well, mm-hmm. which is another slot that you can throw him into. Um, I'm mostly just looking at him in 15 team leagues. I'm not sure he's pretty much because there's going to be better first baseman out there for you to roster. I think by like a mile outfielders. I don't think he cracks quite like, I mean, like in a 12 teamer, like you only have three outfield spots. He's not going to come even close to that. Even with five outfield spots, it's kind of pushing it. Um, But it's really just dependent on matchup. Honestly, like I would be fine again, if I have bench spots, stashing him and if i can put him in when he's in cores and daily leagues and just play him when he's at home then i would love to do that but um i would say like 15 teams just generally like tw- uh, 15 team leagues with uh a corner infield spot or like five outfielders is probably where i'm at with him and obviously that means any kind of nl only league he is pretty much must roster yeah absolutely for sure um all right, let's move on from Connor Joe here, and let's talk about Jake Myers. Schwabzi wrote this one up. Uh, take it away, buddy. Uh, Jake Myers has uh, been cont- – I, I want to say contentious, but it really hasn't been because very few things are contentious in the PL Discord. We, yeah. We've, we've talked about it. it it's, it's such a fun place. Uh, really, uh, if, you're, if you're looking for a baseball community where uh, – where, you know, no, no fights, just vibes uh, really is, is – <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the pl disc no it's uh we we have a we have a community member named uh and vita who is one of our most active community members and uh he loves jake myers and uh i i said well you know he's fine but let's see what happened what happens when uh kyle tucker comes back and that has become i hate jake myers so uh, that's not actually the case. As I, I have recently picked up Jake Myers in my AL only league, uh, I'm a fan. Uh, he's kind of been a pop up prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's sh- and the reason he's become a pop up prospect is by showing pop uh, all of a sudden. But uh, he's at, he absolutely demolished AAA after being pretty bad in AA as a 23 year old in 2019, uh, and it's pretty impressive to jump. A level uh, from double A AA to triple A and, and take a year off of competitive games and suddenly, you know, get better than you've ever been before. It's just one of those things that we are seeing, uh, you know, with the year off and the, the whole COVID canceling the minor league season. It's yeah. Yeah. So we, we were going to see weirdness like this and 
So, uh, you know, that's what we've got here. All of a sudden he's good now. Great. So what, what is Houston doing with him? Uh, he's displayed both power and speed in both the minors and the majors. Uh, so far he's got three home runs and one stolen base, uh, in a very short stint in the majors. And he, the reports are that he is also supposedly a plus center fielder. And that's a very valuable thing. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, some players make a career off of being only that, but if he can be a plus center fielder and hit literally at all, which he's, he's done that. And then some so far, he should probably supplant Chaz McCormick. Like it's, it's interesting. They're, they're pretty similar. Yeah. Like they seem to both be like vaguely kind of a little bit above average center fielders with pop and, you know, they can kind of hit a little, but the plate discipline isn't great. Like it's, it's like I joked during the stream that it almost felt like they, you know, they were part of like a Houston Astros cloning program. And uh, when it comes out in a year that Houston does in fact have a cloning program and they, you know, they get a light slap on the wrist for that. Remember you heard it here first. (laughs) Uh, So I, I think for like rostering, Jake Myers, I think that you simply just have to ask yourself, like, is Chaz McCormick already rostered in this league? Well, then Jake Myers should also be rostered in this league because uh, I, I do think they they wind up being kind of similar players. Uh, the upside that Myers showed in the minors this year shows that maybe the ceiling is a little bit higher for him than uh, McCormick. But I think at the end of the day, this is a similar situation to what we've previously talked about on previous episodes when Bregman went down and we, mm-hmm. we were we were talking about both Abraham Toro and Aledmus Diaz. The Houston lineup is just so good yeah. that anyone who has a major role in that lineup should be picked up in most leagues. And that's where we're at. As long as Tucker is down, and my understanding is that he's down for at least a few more days, uh, Myers should be rostered because he's playing in center field every day. And then as soon as Tucker comes back, we need to make, uh, we need to evaluate like, is, is Meyer still playing? And if, if he is, then he needs to keep being rostered. And Myers has really like, he's really like jumped himself into the conversation of like, you know, keeper leagues and dynasty leagues. Like I had never heard of Jake Myers before this year. And now I'm like, do I need to like scour my dynasty league, uh, you know, waiver wires and pick him up immediately yeah exactly i mean it's always i I don't know it's people like this like again like you said the weirdness with the obviously not having a minor league season in 2020 and just seeing who just see like for us because we do we a lot of us just because we don't know the work that they put in during that year it's hard to have that perspective like what did they do to actually like take that next step and it's just very cool to see some people pop up like you said out of nowhere like that. Um, so again, can you just remind me, because I kind of glazed over it, uh, what types of leagues you think that Myers should be targeted in? Like you said, AL only, you picked him up, correct? Yeah. No, and, and anything AL only. Okay. At least for the next week. Yep. Okay. Um, and a spe- so personally, my AL only league, I have Kyle Tucker. Jake Myers is my mm-hmm. replacement until Tucker comes back. Um, I don't... Th- I, I, I think... It's a similar situation to Zimmer with less upside. So uh, I I said that anything five team right now, uh, sorry, anything five outfield right now, I think Meyer should be in consideration, but I don't think he has that's the similar upside to Zimmer where like he might reach, you know, standardly consideration. I don't think that's there. Uh, He he would have to make another leap past what he was already doing in the minors which I don't really expect. He would have but, to like replicate his numbers in the minors in the majors to have yeah. any chance of that being the case. Right. Yeah. Which is rare, but he does have the advantage of the Houston lineup. So runs and RBIs should be plentiful. Um, he's already got, Oh, I, I have this written down in 43 plate appearances. Yes. He's already got 18 runs plus RBIs. That's a good rate. That's a good pace to be at. That's a fantastic like that. rate. J- just if you, just to think about that for a little bit, uh, you know, extrapolate that to like 430 plate appearances, which is like, I don't know, four months worth of plate appearances. That would be 180 runs in RBIs. So that's an unsustainable rate, but you know, that means he's doing real good so far. We can dream now, can't we? We can dream. We can dream. Uh, And Vita in the pitcherless discord probably does think that he can sustain that rate. I mean, I hope Neil's right for his case, because that would be a huge win. 
Honestly, like I, I, I want Neil, I want Neil to take a uh, a victory lap in a little Tykes pedal car. I want Neil to be right about every single player except for Casey Mize. I can also agree with that. That is nothing against Casey Mize. That's mostly just razzing Neil. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's an inside <laughs> joke. If you're in the Patreon Discord, you will think that's hilarious. And if you're not in the Patreon Discord, you should be in it, and you won't know what we're talking about. Gosh dang it! Come hang out with us, please. Please. All right. Uh, all right next up, we're going to talk about Nikki Lopez. Well, I'm going to talk about Nikki Lopez. <laughs> We what is this wee stuff? Nick, you know what? Nikki Lopez, another dude that I have in my AL only league. He's because been, he's been very good recently. Because I, I am a manager who has uh Adalberto Mondesi, and Nikki Lopez lately is doing a fantastic out of Adalberto Mondesi uh impression. He's doing so. a very, very good job. Yeah. So I mean, he was someone that I was planning on talking about this week, and but I do have to bring up the fact that if you do listen to other pitcherless podcasts. Uh, he was discussed yesterday on the episode of On the Wire that Adam Howe and Kevin Hastings did with my TGFBI league mate, Jenny Butler, who is absolutely destroying me in our league, like just annihilating me in every facet. Uh, I think she has actually like, I feel like she's gotten me probably on like 10 plus fab bids this year by a <laughs> dollar or two. And it's infuriating in the best way, like a game, game respect game there. Uh, but... Uh, oh, and he also was in Kevin's uh, fab article today. Uh, Kevin does a fab article that drops every Sunday afternoon on the Pitcher List website. So be, be sure to read that too. Uh, both incredibly smart people and Adam too, obviously. I have had to ingratiate myself to our podcast uh, the audacity, as well. The audacity of getting all of those great minds together. I didn't know you could do that. Well, you know what? Here We can here, have, we can have here, guests. Here, we can here's, do that. Here's a fun promo. Guess what? Guess what? There's going to be another really excellent mind on uh, on The Wire next week. Do you know who it is? Who's it going to be? It's me. Oh, I'm going to be on the On oh, The Wire podcast next what? Saturday. <laughs> Sorry. You, you said great minds. I had no idea. Yeah, um, I know. I mean, it wasn't a very good hint. I know. I apologize. Anyways, we're talking about Nikki Lopez. Let me continue. Um, I'm not going to try to step on their toes too much here, but I do want to say that Lopez, much like... Uh, Oh, God. Much like who? Oh, because we were going to talk about Tyler Wade. I still have the, the notes. Oopsies. <laughs> uh, Lopez is a super duper attractive target for those of you that need stolen bases to try to chase down, block uh, the people in your Roto Leagues on stolen bases over the final few weeks of the season. He's got eight stolen bases in the past week. Eight. Like, that's well that alone. That is just like well worth the target. And like, He's been hitting second against right-handed pitchers pretty consistently, which was also pointed out by Jenny on yesterday's episode of On the Wire. Uh, and with at least four of the next five games slated to be against right-handed pitchers, that means a guy with a ton of stolen base potential batting second. And like, I mean, that's just gravy at that point. All in all, like a 13% roster ship, a guy who can tack on that many stolen bases and not really hurt your average. He's been hitting like 280 over the past few weeks could be a league winning pickup at this point in the season though i would say that you should exercise caution if you're in an on base percentage league as opposed to an average league because he really does not walk that much but i mean yeah if you need those stolen bases absolutely pick up nicky lopez he's 13 percent rostered across the board yeah so we we talk all the time about how stolen bases are about intent uh, yes. i think we've even mentioned that earlier in this episode but yeah so all of a sudden Nicky Lopez has just decided that he is going to steal a bunch of bags. And that's huge because and that he has done. Yeah. And he's capable because he, uh, that I, I, did he steal a base today? I think he stole a base today, right? He did steal a base today. And that makes him 18 for 18. I'm pretty sure, which is wildly efficient. And that means, you know, if you can steal 18 bases in a row, why would you ever stop running? And that is apparently what he has decided. And that's awesome for fantasy and awesome for him because, you know, it, he's always like he could never like he never even returned a positive value war season before. And this has nothing to do with fantasy, but he might he's going to be like a 3.5 war player this year, which is yeah. wild for Nicky Lopez. Good for him. He yeah, also got really, married today so, or, or married recently. So, you know, more good for him. Just wins on wins on just, wins for Nicky Lopez. What a run for Nicky Lopez. 2021 is the year of Nicky Lopez. <laughs> it really is. That's what we've come to discover today. My goodness. God, <laughs> I didn't even know that about him getting married. Congratulations, Nicky Lopez. It's fantastic. Best to you and yours. Stealing bags and hearts. Oh, or a heart. That's... One specific heart. 
well, kind of ours too. Yeah, my point. heart. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm Hearts plural. Loving having him on my AL only team. Heck yeah! All right. Uh, okay, so we're going. We're going from stealing hearts to kind of breaking mine a little bit, sort of. Uh, we're going to finish off our hitter section with someone that I kind of was down on at the beginning of the year, and that is one Carter Keyboom, who uh, I'm mostly upset because he he did damage against the Brewers because I will and I am and always will be a homer. Uh, Shrubsy, you wrote this one up specifically to hurt me. Take it away. Yeah, so in in today's game, uh, today being Sunday, uh, which Sunday has stopped being today uh, three and a half hours ago at this point, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we we went a little long on the stream, you guys, as we are wont to do. Uh, So yesterday, Carter Keyboom got to face Hobie Milner. Is that am I saying that right? Hobie Milner, yes. Hobie Uh, Milner, yeah, he got to face Hobie Milner. Hobie Milner, eighteen seventies ranch hand, Hobie Milner. I, I I can't believe like I I hope that one day like Hobie Milner does something really notable so that like you know like like we do when we're throwing like pieces rolled up pieces of paper into trash cans and we're like Hobie I hope that one day there's a thing in baseball where we go Hobie maybe maybe it's uh maybe it's when you get an 89 mile an hour down the uh, pipe past uh, fastball and you uh, launch it like 400 feet like uh carter keyboom did today maybe that will be the hobie now hobie uh, no the, you say hobie when you are a soft tossing left-handed relief pitcher <laughs> and you for some reason are allowed to stay in and hit for yourself and you draw a walk <laughs> that's the only time you can say hobie shouting hobie as as you walk to first base which you where you have no business being uh yeah so i can't believe i'm doing this again because uh, if you are a longtime listener, and if so, thank you. But uh, we, we talked about Carter Keyboom way back in our position previews during the offseason. Uh, and, you know, uh, he has been constantly uh, disappointing to me, but w- which I can, I can relate to uh, myself. But uh, he is kind of doing stuff now. It, it, like just in, insert that Al Pacino, like just when I get out, they pull me back in scene here. Uh, Keyboom hit his fourth home run today, as mentioned, off of Hobie Milner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, it was off of a soft tossing lefties down the pipe fastball. So, yeah, if you want to ding him for that, fine. But uh, that was his second home run of the week, which means he's now tripled his career total coming into the year. He had two. Now he has six in his career. Good for him. So he's got four home runs now. Uh, and he's hopefully turned his back on the completely embarrassing lack of power that he showed last year. Seriously. It, he had, <laughs> I had Jordan uh, guess his ISO earlier and, you know, just from the framing of the question, you're like, Oh, this is going to be low. And Jordan guessed uh, 070. I, I gave him too much credit. It, it that was seems. actually seven times too high as he put up as zero one zero ISO 010. That is absurdly low. I didn't Miserable. know you could. I didn't know you could do that. Uh, so, uh, it, you know, in we we mentioned that we do the uh, the live stream where we're streaming as we record this, and it has just come up into the chat that uh, this this is basically Lucy and the football, and I am Charlie Brown about to swing and miss and fall again. But uh, this time is different. Maybe shrubsy hopes. <laughs> I hope. Please, please be different this time. Uh, so the whole reason that I was still in on him is because even while experiencing that power outage and being a complete travesty at the plate last year, his plate approach was still strong, which I feel like that that's a good sign for a young player. So that this was totally a gut call. And I, I saw this one thing and I was like, you know, he could still turn it around as long as he's, you know, still, still on the ball at the plate. So and wouldn't you know it, he is still displaying that one skill, that one trait that I thought would be the backbone to his production in the future. Through 101 plate appearances this year, he's put up an 11.9 walk rate and a passable 24.8% strikeout rate. And uh, the big difference in this year's production and last year's production is that he's remembered that he is allowed to go past first base when he gets hit. And that is... That is good. That's good when you when you get more than one base on a hit, and uh, th- thankfully someone told him that. Uh, some things that I really like 
are that his his meatball percent is much higher than ever before. Now, a meatball percent is uh, so a, a meatball is when you get a ball right down the middle, like mm-hmm. uh, Hobie Milner threw him today. Uh, and meatball percent is the rate at which you swing at those meatballs. So it's up to like eighty five percent now, which is uh, I, I think it's above league average. And uh, he's never been close to league average before. So that means he is, you know, plate approach isn't just walking. You know, a good plate approach is not just taking walks. A good plate approach is also swinging at good pitches. So it's very encouraging to me that he's swinging at the meatballs. And on top of that, his pull percentage is higher than ever before. Again, good for his power production because he's not the kind like, his average exit velo, his max exit velo, not high. So if he's going to hit dingers, it's going to be on, you know, bad pitches that he has taken advantage of and pulled. So like his power still isn't great because of that, you know, exit velo thing. And it's not even particularly good. It's still like a 400 slug on the year. Yeah. But he's revived some of the hope that I used to have for him. He's got an everyday job. Washington is has every reason to see what they have in him. And I think he can still wind up, you know, being maybe 80% of the player that we thought he might be when he was like a top five prospect, which would still be a, a you know, a good player. I, in my head, like, I think he can be a productive two hole hitter, like not, not like, not like a Jeff McNeil where like, it's a high average kind of a two hole hitter but like like maybe like 270 with a strong walk rate lots of runs scored 15 20 home runs i, I think he can get there like two fit two sixty two seventy hitter with like a 350 360 obp because of the high walk rate or something like that exactly gets on yeah. base scores runs you know but juan soto drives him in a bunch i mean set him up, knock him down. Basically is what it comes down to. If you have people like that in front of someone as good as Juan Soto, who is also in his own right, a very good, uh, play discipline guy. Uh, just, yeah. I mean, there's, I I think there is still upside for Kibum as much as it pains me to say that, because I was so down on him to begin this year. And I don't like, I mean, it's not fun to admit that you're wrong, obviously. Uh, but there is at least some, that's, that's why I choose. There is some shine, on Carter Keyboom, which is that's, good. That is why I have chosen to just never be wrong ever. <laughs> that's one way to live life. <laughs> you know, like uh, there's there's that Michael Jordan quote where it's like he's never lost; he's only ran out of time. That is. Uh, can I just say that's literally one of the funniest quotes? To it's me. like I. It's like I'm so never. Bro, wrong. Do you not know, bro? Do you not know how the game works? It's like I'm. I've never been wrong. I'm just waiting for the players to prove me right. That's all. That's where I'm at with Carter Keeboom. I wasn't wrong at the start of the year. He just hasn't proven me right yet. That is. <laughs> that's going to break ba- my I'm brain. Ba- I, I'm basically the Michael Jordan of fantasy analysis is where we've gotten here. I think a couple of weeks ago, I said that I was the Fernando Tatis Jr. of Pitcherlist because of my shoulder thing. And now I'm the Michael Jordan of uh, fantasy analysis. But literally, but literally only in that way, right? Literally only because I got okay. hurt swinging baseball, uh, softball that. <laughs> But no, oh, my, my comp, my comps are off the charts. It's great. You do have very good comps. Two of the best, honestly, <laughs> two of the best. All right, let's uh, scoot on down to the pitchers. Now we're going to start with Carlos Hernandez, someone that we've covered previously, right? And uh, Schwebzy, you wrote him up again. I'll let you take it away from here. Uh, how do you feel about Carlos after his just awesome start today? Yeah, I, I think, I think after all of that about Kibum, what the people want is to hear me talk more here we go. You're welcome, buddy. Uh, <laughs> someone, someone, who's my editor? Someone fix this. I'm uh, supposed to be the editor. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, we plan so, this well. It's fine. Can, I'm going to ask you once again, I'm going to put you on the spot again. Can I get your Bernie Sanders impression for once again, telling the people to pick up Carlos Hernandez? Oh God, don't do this to do, me. Do no, it, buddy. Do I it. can't do it. No, you, I don't want to. You busted out a great Al Pacino on the spot earlier. Come on. Uh, just let Come me, on. let me, I just got to get into character. Just give me a second. <laughs> what is, what is the Bernie Sanders character? Oh, hand waving hands. You can't, you guys can't see this. So I'll narrate it for you. Hands are up in the air, palms down. <laughs> I'm once again asking you to pick up 
Carlos Hernandez. That was beautiful. That's exactly what I was hoping for. Thank you so much. I did it. Last time I told you to pick up Carlos Hernandez, I I did not commit hard enough. And I told you to monitor, uh, maybe stash, because he was about to face uh, the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros. And uh, I, I, I feel bad. I, 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 should, I should have committed harder because what he did in those starts is he, he was really good against the Yankees. He was pretty good against Houston. It, you know, it, that was the, the one clunker of the bunch. And even in his clunker, it, like he wasn't that bad. So uh, after those starts against good teams, uh, he then got to face the Cubs. And the Cubs are notably not a good offense right now. Uh, so in that, uh, in that start, he went, which was today, he went seven innings, struck out eight, gave up seven base runners and threw like 107 pitches, which was notable, I think, because he's only been a starter for like a month. Like he, like, you know, a month ago he was throwing like two inning outings and now he's up to 107 pitches. Now, that's a lot, two ways of looking at that, either good for the Royals for bucking the trends or good God Royals take care of your talented arms. (laughs) You know, they they've gone to a six man rotation to protect the arms. Maybe that's why they feel comfortable. He's got an extra day of rest. Maybe I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. Um, so now, yeah, now in those five starts since, uh, since his, the, the start of this run against good teams and culminating in today's, uh, decimation of the Cubs, it's been 30.2 innings, a 2.09 ERA, and 22 strikeouts. So the 22 strikeouts is not ideal. Uh, in, in today's day and age, we're used to seeing much uh, higher strikeout numbers, especially out of a, an arm like this. But that's part of why I, I think we've already seen his best. Uh, the repertoire, which is why he's not getting these strikeouts, is also why I think we're going to see worse. Not bad necessarily, but worse. Mm-hmm. I was looking at his pitch dis- distribution since he's become a starter and also, uh, you know, talked a little bit with, uh, Nick Pollock, uh, of PitcherList at PitcherList of the website, uh, PitcherList <laughs> and like, I love how that joke is literally for like four people. <laughs> it's fine. I'll, I'll, like I will, five I, people. I'm going to, I'm still going to use it every single time. Uh, oh man. Anyway, um, sorry. <laughs> I want it, I, I want it to become for more than four people. I, I hope after that, you know, listening to In the Deep, people start dropping that uh, more casually. My question is, how are you going to explain that joke to people? I don't, I don't think it needs explaining. Just overuse picture list. That's all. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, his so someone uh, watching the stream explained Carlos Hernandez's pitch usage graph as uh it, it looked like a uh jackson pollock which is different than a nick nick pollock uh because it was just kind of all over the place lots of colors mm-hmm. lots of intersecting lines moving in ways that you didn't expect uh no rhyme or reason to it really the one notable trend is that the four seam fa- the four seam usage went down the uh, two seam sinker usage went up and if you are a frequenter of pitcher list, you know that more two seamers means fewer whiffs and more weak contact, which is cool when you're trying to get deep into games. Uh, it's not cool when you're trying to accumulate strikeouts. So, and something else to be concerned about, and a reason that I'm expecting regression is that he's got a sky high left on base percentage and a very low BABIP during this stretch, which are usually quick and dirty indicators that regression is incoming. And uh, th- this is reflected in his FIP and XFIP, which are both over four. Uh, the Royals have gone to a six-man rotation, uh, at, like we mentioned, which stinks for fantasy in general, but uh, it definitely stinks for Hernandez in this specific situation because uh in a five-man rotation he might be seeing seattle and then cleveland but instead because of the six-man rotation that will likely be seattle and then the white Sox again Mm -hmm. uh he's already dominated the white Sox twice so maybe that's a good thing but fingers uh, crossed yeah i mean i would if, if you can pick him up i would absolutely use him as a streamer for this seattle start 
And uh, if you, so th- this is going to be one of those uh, situations where it's going to be, uh, be like your, your mileage may vary. Um, if you want to go for the upside, you know, start them against Chicago. If you are trying to play it safe and, you know, you've already got, you know, the matchup on lock or whatever, then, you know, maybe, maybe keep them on your bench for that start. But depending on what Kansas City does with their rotation over the next couple of weeks, Hernandez could either have a really, really great slate of uh, matchups or a real or a kind of scary one. Yeah, because, they, you know, they've got they've got series coming up against Baltimore, uh, Seattle a couple times like it, it, he could face some really weak offenses. Yeah. Or, or he could get Chicago White Sox and uh, got later on. I think uh, there were some other tough ones that uh, I did not like to see on the schedule. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll I, I again, this is another one. Uh, I like to practice what I preach. I, I dropped a $30 bid on him in TGFBI and, and uh, got him today in fab. And that was $30 out of like my 90 remaining fab. So that was a sizable commitment. Was there anyone else that bid on him? Maybe. Maybe. I was I was too happy about uh, getting him that I, I didn't even pay attention to if anyone else bid. But um, and sim- similar to Zimmer and Nicky Lopez, this is another player that I roster in my AL only league. So yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I uh, can't dig it. Right, and then do you want to? Okay, so should we make a sandwich with our pitchers, or should we do like a little run of double Royals here? Let, let's go for another Royal. Okay, let's go for another Royal. I'm going to skip Look, down here you, to the bottom got, of our list. I think you, you've had pretty good success this year with your with your streaming picks, right? I have. I, I should. We should have really been keeping a tab, a tally, right? Next I, don't think anyone, I don't think anyone really does that though. Like a daily tab of their their of, streaming, their streaming success. Picks? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think anyone does that. That seems like too revolutionary for anyone to actually have done. J.K. Uh, check out <laughs> Nick Pollock's daily streaming picks and uh, streamer column because it's it's very good and very helpful. He's definitely positive on the year. I know that he he's had a good po- run. He, he's positive he had- by like twenty games. Oh damn! Yeah, that's real good. I'll he's take doing, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but my little streamer that I have here, uh, just this feels like the mother of all favorable schedules uh, because he is lining up to face Seattle, Cleveland, and then Baltimore in his next three starts. Another Kansas City Royal, uh, Brad Keller. So like barring any postponements or like weird injury issues or just whatever, that's like a really nice stretch of games. And like the super encouraging part about all of this again. So actually I'm going to preface this. He has not had the best year. I think he has an ERA over five on the year, which obviously on its face, not great, not at all. Um, but the three offenses that he'll be facing in his next few starts, uh, Seattle, Cleveland, Baltimore, they have over the past month, an ex against right-handed pitchers in the l- lower half of the league. So Seattle is 17th, Cleveland is 19th, Baltimore is 21st in the league and ex-WOBA against right-handed pitching. So that's in Keller's favor, which is really, really good. And yes, he's been bad this year, but his last two starts have been quality starts with eight Ks. Uh, One of them against St. Louis, he went 6.2 innings with two earned runs. And then the other one was against Chicago. Again, like we or like Shrubsy previously stated, Chicago, not a premier offense by any means. He went six innings, Gave up one run there. Uh, So he has some good momentum going into this stretch of really favorable matchups. And I feel comfortable enough with it to recommend him here. Um, And this is basically, I mean, I I feel like this isn't necessarily like a weekly section that I do, but I feel like I very often lean into there's some pitchers out there that don't look super attractive to literally anyone because their results just haven't been there. But I feel pretty okay about all these matchups. This is my weekly semi-weekly the matchups seem good recommendation for me and i hope that it works and you can't see me right now but i'm giving a thumbs up which doesn't work on a podcast yep love love to love to make physical signals in an audio medium physical comedy you can't see what i'm doing right now (laughs) uh all right so two two things about this um regarding jordan's success with streaming picks uh you, you know how like when uh, the San Diego Padres picked up Jake Arrieta and everyone was like, LOL, Arietta, like what a bad pitcher that is. Jordan successfully predicted a good two-star a week from Jake Arrieta. At the so, very beginning of the season, yeah. yeah. 
I was, left. Uh, was, I, I left. think that, that might have been the only two good starts that he had all year, but I was correct about that. Everyone left. Um, I, 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 you know, no one believed him, and uh, uh, yet the, he was successful. And uh, a second thing, uh, Jake Arriet, uh sorry, Brad Keller had a very, very rough schedule stretch in the month of June, where he faced the Angels, Detroit, who are a surprisingly good offense. They're they're cromulent. Uh, and then Boston, the Yankees, and then Boston again. And in those five games, he gave up at least four runs in every game. Yeah, that's going to balloon. Right. That stretch, that stretch is destroying his season stats. Since that game, since that last game against Boston on June 29th, he's, uh, he's pitched in eight starts in that, t- in that time frame. 3.35 ERA, 9.3K per nine. Love it's, it. Perfectly pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's legit. Pretty dang good. Not bad. Uh, all right. And then before we move on to some reliever stuff, I just want to quick pop in here. Just a third uh, Kansas City Royal because we're, I'm trying to ingratiate myself to Kevin Hasting before I go on their show next week. Um, Daniel Lynch has a two-start week this week. Uh, it's a little bit late, obviously, to pick him up for tomorrow's start against the Astros. But hey, the nice thing is you probably don't actually want to start him against the Astros. So <laughs> you're welcome. Hey. Uh, but then at the end of the week, he has a start against the Mariners. So uh, Daniel Lynch, probably, honestly, out of between Carlos Hernandez, Brad Keller, and Lynch is probably my favorite of those three long-term, obviously. Ooh. Um I think that Lynch, uh, if you can get him for that start against the Mariners at the end of the week, go get him. So do you remember at, at the start of the year how in you were on Kansas City Royals starters as a whole? I do remember that. Yeah. I do uh, very much. And part of part of the reason for that is their home ballpark, which is a, a pitcher's haven. Yes. So, I mean, we're kind of getting there again. Like there, when, when you're looking at streamers and whatnot, Look for Kansas City Royals home games. Look for Bubich, who just had a fantastic start. Yes. Look for, look for Daniel Lynch. Look for Carlos Hernandez, Brad Keller. They're using a six-man rotation. I think every one of those starters is like at least fine. Yeah, you know, Mike Miner's been really good this year. I'm trying to think who like the best of the bunch of them would have been for this year so far. Uh I mean, it's hard to say. Carl, like, my favorite personally is Carlos Hernandez. You know, you know, that's my boy. But yes, you can't say he's had the best year because he's no. all, he's he only did, he, yeah, he just he just had like starter. six starts, the seven yeah. starts, whatever. Um, and two of the first two of those were pretty bad. So, um, yeah. I, I by year's end, it might be Hernandez, but he would have to put together another, you know, five or six good starts. Exactly. Yeah. I think we'll I think minor. I think minor's the best of the bunch. Honestly, he's probably, yeah, I would say he's probably been the best too. like for the whole year. I bet he's like the highest on player Raiders. Yeah. hundred percent. I feel like I don't even have to look at that. Honestly, I probably should look at it, but I feel like I don't have to look at it. It seems like he's been the most consistent of the bunch. Um, all right. Do you want to talk about some relievers? Schwebsky? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's start out with, uh, Michael Lorenzen. Yes. Uh, welcome to our new weekly feature. Who the heck is closing for the Reds now? Price is uh, right. Adjacent theme begins to play. <laughs> so, uh, and this week it's Michael Lorenzen. Uh, this year he started as the potential fourth or fifth starter a- along with TJ Anton. And then, uh, then lots of things happened and neither yeah. of them started games. And, uh, uh. Yeah, and then they both got hurt and then they relieved. And yeah, the whole, whole lot of things happened. But the point is right now, uh, Michael Lorenzen has closed the last two games for the surging Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I, I'm being kind of snarky here because I've been, been burned repeatedly by this bullpen. Uh, sup, Heath Hembry. But <laughs> I do see reasons to be optimistic with Lorenzen. Uh, a part of that is because of the earlier tidbit about him being maybe a starter. Lorenzen is good, yeah, obviously, uh, <laughs> but he's got a deep repertoire. And he kind of has that Alex Reyes potential to be a legitimate four or five pitch reliever, which teams normally don't have to deal with that. Like usually when a reliever is coming to a game and you're an opposing team, you're like, okay, I need to look out for the fastball. I need to look out for the slider. And that is it. And that's the story with like most relievers. Mm -hmm. Not so with Michael Lorenzen. Uh, Michael Lorenzen has, uh, you know, fastball, cutter, sinker, slider, and I believe also change up. Uh, 
And yeah, it gives a unique look that teams generally don't have to deal with and they have not really prepared for with relievers. I I almost don't care about his stats because of reliever volatility and his last three seasons only consist of 130 innings, but he's been a closer before he he saved a, a handful of games in 2019 and he's historically been good at limiting the home run and that that that's including you know 80 plus innings of 2019 super bounce ball i want to see him strike out more batters but i I, that may not really be his game um but more than hembry or gibbons i think he's got the potential to run with the job again because he's done it before i think he's just straight up a better pitcher than those guys uh, you know, w- when you're a candidate for the starting rotation, like generally you're better than your run of the mill reliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, having said that, tune in next week as we discuss new Reds closer, Jeff Hoffman. My money's on Vladimir Gutierrez, personally. That's just me. No, he's actually been very good as a starter. I, yeah, I shouldn't no, say that. He's been awesome. Uh, today, he, he was awesome today. He was very awesome today, yes. He's, we, we talked about him previously. On this program? I don't know. He, he's a player that I've rostered in a lot of leagues, but I can't remember if we ever talked about him. Like, I think he's been one of those guys that like I, I had a bit of confidence in, but not enough confidence to recommend. Okay. That's Let fair. Me, uh, yeah, not, not mm-hmm. a positive. You know what? We, we, we talked about him on, uh, on 531. So, yeah. A while back. But he, he, back was, like, he, was, he was like a... He was like a, a a cliff note at the end, not like someone we focused on. Oh, okay. So we can't really take credit for that one. All right. That's fine. That's fine. I was going to say, I knew that we at least mentioned him at one point on an episode, but maybe he was like a spot start to me. He might've been one of my streamers actually. If I remember I, right, I might've recommended I, him for a stream. Yeah. Because, uh, like, like a lot of other analysts, I get caught up on in the Cincinnati thing and I, I give attention to any Cincinnati pitcher that has a role. And, uh, yeah, Gutierrez <laughs> was, was, and is one of them. Yeah. All right, and then so okay, so your money's on Jeff Jeff Hoffman. I'll to figure week. out. Yeah, I'll to figure out uh, after after we cut who I think that it might be. We can take bets on this to see the, who the next person aside from Lorenzen is to get a close. It might just be Michael Gibbons again. Save. Okay, it could just be Michael Gibbons again. He's been okay. Um, all right, so let's go to another closer situation to wrap up the show here. So uh, Diego Castillo is on the ten day IL with shoulder inflammation, which means that. The responsibility to close in Seattle now falls on, I would say, probably Paul Seawall, but also we can't really talk about him because he's above our threshold. So I'm going to talk about Drew, Drew Steckenrider um, and focus on what he's done over the past few weeks. So Steck has only made six appearances in the past 15 days, but in that time, he's gotten two saves, two wins, and hasn't given up a run over 7.2 innings pitched. Um, I will say that the strikeout ratios aren't very good. He's only had six strikeouts over that span, but the ERA is at zero because obviously he's given up no runs. And then also his whip is at a sub one total. I don't know exactly what it is right now because I did not write it down. Um, But the really crazy part is how he's been getting it done. He's throwing like over two thirds four seamers most of the time. And it seems like over his last two outings, at least he's just not thrown his curveball once. Um, Seems to just have a completely ditched that offering because it kind of got slapped around uh, previously. So I do think that, again, Seawald is probably going to grab more of the opportunities while Castillo is on the shelf, but he's going to get the high leverage innings regardless of what point in the game they're in. So as second in line, I think it's pretty much inevitable that Steckenrider Rider is able to like steal a win or get a save here or there over the next week and change. And I think that you should feel okay nabbing him in like a 15-teamer knowing that you can throw him in there, maybe steal a couple of those counting stats, and also that he's not going to tank your ratios either. Yeah, no, I mean, f- file this one under the uh, the pre- previous episode's rec- recommendations of Lugo, McHugh, uh, yes. Whitlock, Loisiga, uh, that kind of guy. Just, you know, never, never forget, especially in deep leagues, mm-hmm. middle relievers can be valuable. Absolutely. Love it. All right, Josie, I think that's all we got for this week. Not bad. We actually hit like pretty much exactly an hour Heck of content. Yeah. Not bad for love, us. Love Not to bad un- at all. Love to unintentionally do that like every week. 
it's so good. We're so like, good it's just at this. really good internal it clocks. Re- it really makes us look like professionals, but I swear to you, it's an absolute just storm. I have never once podcast. I have never once known what I was doing. Oh God. Uh, that's this, a, this that's not just that's not just the podcast. That's like yeah, ever, <laughs> ever. This is all an illusion. Shrubsy doesn't even remember his wedding day. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow when I forget everything I've just said. <laughs> all right. That's going to be it for us this week here on In the Deep. Thank you once again for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, I forgot to say it at the top of the show, but if you would like to follow us on social media, feel free to do that. You can follow us at our shared Twitter account. It's, that's In the Deep PL, or you can follow us individually. You can find Shrubsy at his name's, namesake, Shrubsy. That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I, or myself at Bun Singles. Uh, and you can also email us any mailbag questions you may have to in the deep PL at gmail.com. And also, again, don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And with that, Shrubsy, send them out. Bye, friends. theme song theme song theme it's, song you know, it's fine theme, that i don't remember the song, wedding because theme, de- 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 the wife makes me <laughs>